Welcome to the Park Podcast, where dialogue across difference is vital to community wellness. I'm Dr. Leah Howard, your host in the space where open dialogue, the free exchange of ideas, and civil and robust expression of divergent views is valued. Here we will explore the research, the practical applications, and the benefits of effective, ethical, and civil dialogue in a diverse world. We hope to model respectful conversation that accurately and authentically frames contentious issues, hoping to reach an ideologically diverse audience. Gen Z is remarkable in terms of their social activism. Before they could vote, many had already participated in protest marches, letter and social media campaigns, and outspoken advocacy around issues they are passionate about. Direct action can be empowering, and marching with others can produce strong feelings of cohesiveness and connection around shared ideals. Yet at the same time, social and political change can be slow, and advocacy without results can be deeply discouraging, especially if the issues at hand are existential. How do we care for ourselves during the slow, challenging work of social change? This series interviews Penn alumni working to change some of America's most intractable social problems to ask them how are they taking care of themselves so they can sustain their fight on behalf of others. It examines the intellectual, social, and contemplative practices that leaders in the arena of social change are embracing to inform their work. Offering examples and real-world experiences, this series speaks to current Penn undergrads hoping to better undergird their own social action with integrative and sustaining practices. We are so delighted to host Ellen Kamei, former mayor of the city of Mountain View, who has spent most of her career in public service, especially focusing on issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. In 2018, she served her first term on city council, where she worked hard for citizens during COVID-19. This past November, she won re-election to city council. She has roots in her community as a third-generation Mountain View resident, and she's a full-time working mom. Ellen, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Could you tell us a bit about your career journey since you left Penn? What drew you to a career in public service working for change at the local level? Well, when I graduated from the Fells Institute of Government at Penn, I had applied to two fellowship programs that I thought would be a really great way for me to decide uh, what I wanted to, to do next. And one of them was the Presidential Management Fellowship, known as you know PMF. And then I also applied for the International City County Management Program, uh, ICMA, as a local government management fellowship. And it was down to an East Coast city and a West Coast city, I'm a California native, and it brought me back home to California and specifically the, the Bay Area region. So I felt really fortunate to uh, be able to move back and started with a mid-size city, then worked in county government. I worked for the California State Assembly and then uh, worked in as a government affairs professional for a large uh, Fortune 100 company. So it's been the full evolution. And what's really spurred my love of public service is Santa Clara County, which consists of 15 cities in the Bay Area, was the former feminist capital of the world. I'm not sure if people know that. It's kind of maybe a, a something that is a, a sleeper. Uh, but we had more female elected officials in our county 
than anywhere else in the 90s. And so I always saw women getting things done, being involved. So it also felt natural for me to think about being on the other side of the dais and not just on the administration side. Alan, that's so wonderful to hear about the feminist roots of your county. That's really, really great. Can you describe the issue areas where you're working for change? I see you serve on the following city council committees. Again, this might change with your uh, new appointment, but the Council Appointment for Review Committee, the Council of Race, Equity, and Inclusion Ad Hoc Subcommittee, which you are the chair, the Council for Transportation Committee, the Council Youth Service Committee, where you're also the chair. So where are you looking to implement social change within these areas and what other areas are you passionate about? When I moved back to the Bay Area, I actually ended up living with my grandfather in in Mountain View. My grandmother went into a nursing home and my grandfather was going to, who helped raise me, um, was going to be living all alone in this, in this big house. And uh, as you mentioned, I'm a third generation Mountain View resident. We started out, <laughs> my grandparents met in in Mountain View, were incarcerated in Heart Mountain, Wyoming on my paternal side, and actually came back to Mountain View. And I think that speaks to the diversity and inclusion of the community. So my council committee assignments very much are are tied to that. And being from the area, I remember when it was known as uh, the Valley of Heart's Delight versus now Silicon Valley. So I've really thought about implementing at every phase of my life, being able to bring along the community and the people that I serve. When I started on planning commission, I was single. Now I'm married, become a homeowner and have a child. And many people in the community are in these spaces worrying about their quality of life, the transportation infrastructure, making sure we are doing things for our youth, particularly for youth wellness. And I really try to take the 30,000 holistic view of how do we make a thriving, equitable community. And that means bringing along those who have been in our city for a very long time, while also welcoming those who are new to the area, whether you are you know, a small baby to a senior citizen and trying to think about that with everything that I'm bringing forward. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. So can you tell us a little bit more about what motivates you, why you do the work that you do, what drives you and helps you to continue to do the hard work of social and community change? When people ask me what I enjoy most about being in public service or being an elected official, I always say our youth because they are, I feel, my mentors. They are the ones inspiring me. Because while I did see a lot of women and particularly, you know, women of color, like my mother, my my mother is an elected official for uh, 30 years. She's actually just about to become a San Jose city council member. And I, I think that I didn't see younger people. There weren't programs out there for people to run at, at a young age. And so what motivates me is trying to create equitable access that elected officials don't need to be independently wealthy or retired to be able to participate in their local government. And how do I reduce those barriers? So, and also understanding that your experience with 
government for the first time can leave a lasting impression. And what type of impression do you want to leave? One that is difficult and can disenchant the, the other individual or one where they feel heard and listened to. And during the pandemic, I thought about that in particular. We Last year as mayor, I brought forward uh, free feminine hygiene products in all of our city facilities at you know at no cost. I brought forward a, a lactation room policy for employees as well as people who uh, in the community so that they could come and participate. And also in meeting translation services, we have quite a diverse community where over thirty percent is. Asian American Pacific Islander, and over 20% is Latinx Hispanic. And we now have translation available in Russian, Mandarin, and Spanish. So I think that that also brings uh, some social equity and inspires me that people can feel heard and that it's a government that actually is working for them. Well, Ellen, how amazing that your mom also is in public service and it's a family affair. That's so great to hear. I love that. And I love also what you shared about making things accessible through language um, and through translation services, how powerful um, that is. So how do you care for yourself during the slow and challenging work of social change? How do you integrate personal wellness, work-life balance, and self-care with your professional work? And so with that, I'd love you to think about a couple other things too. So what's discouraging about the work that you do? And then what keeps you centered? And then finally, how do you practically manage the psychological and emotional stressors of this work as you govern and even as you just just ran for re-election, how do you continue to maintain your own core emotional strength? Well, these are the questions I ask myself every day. <laughs> so these are very topical. What I try to say when, when asked the question, and particularly related to balance, is I think that there is the misnomer that women in particular can, can do it all. And there is a deep societal pressure and I believe unconscious bias on being able to manage these different roles. But what I encourage people is you can't take care of your community, take care of your family, prioritize change if you are not taking care of yourself. So for example, this election cycle, I also am an avid runner. I was a collegiate athlete. I was a rower. And now I have been training for a marathon. And people were like, how can you do both? And I thought, well, this is for my own personal wellness. Having time dedicated just for myself where I don't have to, quote unquote, be on uh, and have the ability to create some endorphins has been something that's really helpful for me. I would also encourage time management. So I try extremely hard to have one day a week that is a family day or a friend day, uh, and that is Sunday. So I try very hard to not schedule anything if, if it allows. And that is a really great way to ground me in terms of priorities. I would also say making sure that you are having a good outlet to talk to someone. I think in life, there's always going to be discouraging things that happen. And I will give an example, which is this re-election cycle. I was 
in a meeting with an editorial board of a newspaper with maybe six or seven people. And the first question was, well, if you have a baby, why are you running for re-election? And it was a gutting experience because I knew I couldn't say the answer I really wanted to say. I had to find a way to educate, which is there are many young professionals in my city, over 25%. Many of those do have families. And right now there's no one on my city council who has children who are not adults and some do not have children at all. So bringing a a different perspective is something that's important to the city council. So I, I think privately having an outlet with friends, family, or, you know, your, your wellness, a wellness professional is very great to have that kind of outside context because I call it noisy campaigns can get noisy life gets noisy and making sure that you have a way to quiet that noise is something that I think is very important to being centered and allowing yourself sometimes to say, I'm going to eat this, or I'm going to go to this movie and not letting the guilt (laughs) overcome you is something that I still struggle with, but I encourage and talking openly and honestly, it's taken me about the four years of my first term to be able to share these. I try very hard to keep my personal life personal because it's my one joy. Uh, And given the political climate, I'm not looking for unsolicited advice, which I get a lot of, (laughs) but that makes you vulnerable. And it's been statistically proven that vulnerability, particularly from women, is the superpower of leadership. Ellen, so well said. I love that concept of noisy. And I also love this concept of vulnerability and how women, um, are, are that's a superpower, not something to run away from or hide. Thank you. So we've been thinking a lot in the SNF Padilla program about the concentric circles of care, how our self-care, community care, and social activism are connected. We're trying to better understand how an individual's ability to be an effective change maker is connected to a wider circle of community wellness, that we are not as individuals fully in control of social structures, but we can draw strength from others as we fight for social change together. Some people try to change government policy from the outside by putting pressure on it for change. Others like you work within government to push for change. As a public servant, you quite literally serve your community. This can be challenging, but perhaps can also be deeply rewarding. And so does and can your community, the people you serve in Mountain View, contribute to your personal well-being? And if so, how? The people I serve absolutely contribute to my well-being. And I would say that is the reason why I ran for public office. I get the honor and the privilege of serving my hometown, a community that invested in me, gave me so much, and I have the opportunity to pay it forward. And while there might be council dynamics, because it's kind of like a family, you don't choose which family you get born in and into. You have, I have seven individuals, individuals on my city council, and we're all very unique, but the residents, the people, the community. And I think something that really is important when we are thinking about 
social activism is sometimes we are working for a really big goal and that takes time. And the length of time that that takes can be disheartening. And I would say, try to build in different metrics as you are trying to achieve that goal so that you can give yourself that hope and you can have some benchmarks because it can be arduous work. I, in 2019, prioritized a Civic Language Leadership Academy for our Mandarin-speaking population. We already have a Spanish Civic Leadership Program. It took me four years to work with staff, get that program up and running. And it was only in June of this year, four years later, that we had our first graduating class. Would I have loved for it to happen sooner? Yes. Do I think that it was challenging and I had to have some challenging conversations? Absolutely. But does it make my community better? And are we better able to serve residents now that they understand how our their local government works? Yes. So I say all that to hopefully share that, yes, you can have the big goal. You can also have the, the small goals. And when people thank me, for example, the feminine hygiene products, I got a text message from a female firefighter who said, who took a picture of the, the products and said, thank you so much for doing this. I am on a rig with all men. You don't know how embarrassing it is and self-conscious I get when we have to go on our food runs and I need to pick up products. Now I don't have to worry about that. Thank you. And that might be really relatively small in, in the scheme of things, but that made a difference for one person. And sometimes when we're doing this work, we need to remember that it's about having that little hammer <laughs> and chipping away at the large policy problems or institutional problems to create the greater change. Wow. Thank you for those amazing stories. So, so um, tangible. Thank you. So finally, Ellen, what gives you hope? The thing that makes me most hopeful is seeing how the work I've done has empowered other individuals to find their voice or to find their kind of little niche. And we were able to last year award $1 million to an organization called the Mountain View Solidarity Fund. It's a group of six Latina women who've been in the community for 20 years advocating and helping those who are extremely low income. And in the pandemic, we worked together to help them find a fiscal agent, look at becoming a, a nonprofit. And they had so much passion. And they said, I finally feel seen and I feel heard. And those instances and opportunities are what give me hope because it doesn't necessarily just need to be me or your local government or your, your state government or even the federal. All it is is being able to kind of share your knowledge and empower others to make the change that they really want. And then they'll go and do that. Um, and they become, I think, ambassadors for your community. They become active participants. And that's truly what warms my heart, gives me hope every day. 
Ellen, thank you so much for being with us today. We learned so much from you about the change-making power of public service. Thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being with us as well. Join us next time as we continue this series, Unpacking Wellness Practices Utilized by Leaders in the Social Change Space.